Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining Finding Focus today. I'm here with Ali Seibel. She is Director of Revenue Operations at Groove, which is a suite of productivity tools for sellers. Very cool. Um, and she has agreed to come on today and talk with us not just about how she finds focus in this incredibly busy world, especially as a RevOps leader, but um, also why, you know, why finding focus is important and a little bit of what focus brings into her life and what it means to her. So thanks for joining us today, Allie. Yeah, super pumped to be here. Um, like she said, I'm Allie Seibel. You might know me by my married name or my maiden name, Allie French. I was married in September, so it's a new name change for me. I'm still getting used to it as well. Um, I'm the director of RevOps at Groove, and I like to refer to myself as a RevOps Swiss, Swiss Army Knife. Um, professionally, my passions are scalable processes and aligning the GTM functions. Personally, my passions are the Packers. I'm a cheesehead. I'm a dog mom and I'm a wine enthusiast. So those are kind of how you can see me spending my time outside of the office. I love it. I mean, what goes better with wine, but cheese and we need to be the Packers for that. <laughs> exactly, so. exactly. Oh, I love that. Thanks for giving us a little bit of a peek to the alley overall. I mean, I think um, it also says something about you that you have passions outside of work, but you are still passionate about work. And maybe the first thing I'd love to dive into is from all I know of it and the people that I know, RevOps is potentially one of the most, dare I say it, chaotic roles in the business world. You are at the center of everything. So before we talk about focus, let's talk about chaos. Tell me a little bit about the chaos in your world, Allie. I actually love that you mentioned the word chaos because one of the reasons why I love working in RevOps is because it gives me the opportunity to turn chaos into opportunities. And I feel that in my personal life as well. Like, you know, I planned a wedding and it was like really chaotic. And then I made to-do lists and hired a wedding planner. And that was an opportunity to make it more streamlined. And in RevOps, I think it's the same way, right? Like when I started a company or even when I talk to people that are interested in RevOps, I'm like, one of the things that I like to do is just talk to the GTM functions and see like where they struggle with the most. And it's not just at the leadership level, but it's the end users, right? Because mm -hmm. leaders can have a different idea of what's causing chaos in their systems or with their teams, but end users might have a different opinion and getting both of them, um, hearing it from, you know, the horse's mouth is kind of a great way for me to understand where the chaos is and even say, Hey, I hear you say this, but what I'm actually understanding is something else like there's a bigger problem or you know sales is saying x cx is saying y but they're both saying the same thing in different ways and it really just like managing chaos just gets me excited because you're you're taking something that people see as unmanageable and just cause like wreaking havoc in their day and you can solve for that and it can be something little or it can be something big and being able to see the impact is just awesome and that's why that's why i love RevOps because it is just chaotic and depending on the size of the company and the stage of the company, it means completely different things. And I probably caused a little bit of chaos in my early days of RevOps when I like didn't know what I was doing and it was my first time managing a Salesforce instance. But that's kind of like the beauty of RevOps is it evolves and it grows and you can you can see like, you know, the graveyard of the the hopes and dreams of whoever was building Salesforce before you and turn it into, you know, just minor tweaks to make it better. 
Yeah. And I think to your point about like chaos, chaos is part of the success, right? Like you have to start with kind of all of the inputs. You were, you were mentioning how you really listen. And I think you can't just stroll into the chaos and know what to do. You've, you've listened, right? The, the, the idea of listening, I think is interesting to focus in general, because without understanding what you should be chasing, you're not going to be on the right path. Yeah. And I think even to that point, it's like somebody asks for something, right? And this is something I teach, uh, like all the interns I've had or the people that report to me, um, is just asking why and like further asking them to, to articulate why it's important, because if they can't articulate why it's important or why it needs to happen now, then it's not something I'm going to focus on. Mm. Or one of those like, Hey, I can, like, I have a dashboard, but I would rather have this be a Slack alert. It's like, okay, you have it you just want it a different way, but you have it. So like, let's focus on bigger ticket items and then the, you know, improvements of the current processes can happen later on. Uh, you know, like focusing on the creating what doesn't exist or managing the chaos versus making improvements can sometimes be a good way to prioritize things. Do you feel like you hear commonalities in the why very often? I, this is probably the last like super role specific question, but when it comes to the why, um, as as kind of a director of RevOps, what do you often hear similar whys or like things that are really repeated pain points for people that you end up focusing on? Yeah, it, it yes and no, because it, it kind of depends on what part of the year we're in. You know, mm-hmm. if it's like we're towards the end of the year and we're like worried about hitting our number, right? A lot of the leaders are asking me for similar things or similar information. And the why is like, well, I want to see why we missed our number or like if we're going to miss our number or why we're not converting meetings to opportunities, but they're the, the why behind the why is a little bit different, right? It's like the SDRs want to know that because they want to hit they're their numbers paid. and they, yeah. yeah, right. But the, the sales leaders, it's like, well, we want to turn opportunities into customers. And for like the CX team, it's like, we want to retain customers. So the why is usually pretty similar, but the why behind the why has, has different, you know, variations. And I think that's, that's important. Um, Cause it's not one size fits all for the GTM uh, functions. Otherwise they wouldn't be separate functions if we were all doing the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Now your approach, even just the way that you're talking about, like thinking about the why and the priorities suggests to me that you have kind of a natural, and you've spoken about this already, you have a natural desire to kind of find the focus and go for focus. Even when we first chatted, I asked you, you know, how would you rank yourself one out of 10? And you said an eight. So follow up question. Do you feel like an eight today as well? And then um, the adjoining thing to that is, do you think that you are naturally this type of person or have you built more into someone with this skill over time? Um, Um, I would say I am an eight today, probably because I started my day by like making my to-do list and I just got off of my JIRA review with my direct report. And we talked about the priorities for today and tomorrow because we meet every other day about it. Um, And then um, I think that I am naturally this way. And when when people are like, what type of people get into RevOps? I kind of think of people similar to me, like very type A, like need to be organized. Like I, our pantry is organized a certain way. Like my closet's organized a certain way because if I want to find that one thing, I know where it is because I have a system, right? Whereas my husband, he is kind of the chaos that I try to manage, right? Where I'm just like, if you put your wallet in the same place every day, like you wouldn't have to find it because it would you know, be in that place. Um, and I think that I, even though I haven't done RevOps for like my whole career, I think it was my destiny to do it because even before RevOps was a thing, like when I got out of college, I was doing a form of it, right? I was taking chaos. I was managing pieces of puzzles, like people that traveled full-time and trying to 
align things. And then when I was an SDR, before I got into RevOps, I was good at being an SDR, but I got caught up with the lack of process, the chaos in the systems, mm -hmm. the me doing something different and than somebody else and just the inconsistencies. And it kind of like light bulb happened when I realized this was something I could actually make a career out of. Um, I was like, oh, okay, this, this is more than just a hobby. This is like something I can build on and learn with and like grow, which mm -hmm. I'm like super pumped about. So yeah. I love it. Now you touched a little bit on your own personal strategies. You mentioned the to-do list in the morning and working in JIRA at work. Uh, and you mentioned your closet, which I'm very impressed by. Um, and we could just for the record, we could probably go down a whole rat hole of talking about partners and how sometimes your organizational abilities don't align. align. Um, yeah, actually, that's a whole that's a, a late night with a drink in hand chat for you and me, Ali. <laughs> yeah. But take me back to the strategies and the tools that you found actually help you. Now, sometimes let's be honest, sometimes a to do list doesn't actually help. Like for certain people, it does and it doesn't. What? actually works for you and this can be in life as well as work um yeah so i would say like for to work to-do lists like when i came on um at group specifically there was like a, a slack channel where people could go in and request something but mm -hmm. everything lived in the slack channel so for me it was like there's no way to track this if you want to make a comment it has to be like in a thread and i'm like i'm having a hard time just keeping track of what happened to this request i'm like so we have to have some sort of system where it's trackable and people can go in and see like okay person x you've made 50 requests this quarter which ones are the most important um and make them help me prioritize but then also on the flip side it's like our jira board has like 130 tickets on it a mm. lot of them sit in our back backlog a lot of them sit in you know like waiting on approval or in different swim lanes so even though that's kind of like our to-do list as a team, I still have a separate to-do list that I write down because it's like, I've got these 25 tickets, I need to do them all, but I know that today I've got enough time to knock out like five easy ones that don't take hours of my time. And mm -hmm. then on Fridays, I try not to have any meetings. I call it my uh, uh, GSD day, get stuff get done day, yes. get shit done, yeah. yes. Um, because for me, especially with a lot of the projects that I have to do in RevOps, you have to sit down and you have to like map out what it looks like. You have to make sure you've talked to all the different stakeholders and you have to build it out so you can show them what it looks like. And you can't start and stop, especially like for me, like I have ADD, so it's hard for me to actually like sit and focus. So when I need to do it, like my computer, like my phone's on focus, I've got focus time blocked out of my calendar. I just need to get it done. Um, but it took me a while to like figure out that that's what worked best for me mm -hmm. is like having the JIRA board and a to-do list, Eric, who works for me, like he will put time on his calendar and he will actually just include the links to the JIRA tickets that he needs to work on, which that works for him. Like I love the um, satisfaction of crossing off something. So like, that's why I have it written down in a separate to-do list. But then also the people that ask me for stuff have visibility into that board. My boss has visibility into that board. So when I say, hey, not now, you know, like look at all the other tickets or like here are the ones that I'm prioritizing or hey, which of these 15 that you've requested is your priority and then we'll move some in the backlog. So it's not like me putting in the backlog is me saying no, it's me saying there are other higher priority items that are going to be more impactful to the business that I just need to focus on. And sometimes I don't get to, I don't get to say in that, like sometimes my OKRs um, are a mix of things that I want to work on and a thing, a mix of like what my boss or the company needs. Um, but since we support three different teams, we try to make sure that we like don't play favorites and each of our uh, children get the same amount of attention. Cause I think that's one of the mistakes people make when they're um, in RevOps or they think they do RevOps is like 
sales gets all the attention and that's not how, you know, not how I work. Um, but it, you know, like I said, it, it took me some time to realize that I needed a to-do list on top of my JIRA board, but I think the JIRA board or any sort of tracking system you can use for visibility for other people is like super important. Um, and then even like, if I'm out of, if I'm on vacation or Eric's on vacation, they can go to that JIRA board and I can see, okay, what is the last comment he made? So I know like where we're at. And I'm like, I'm like, that is our Bible. Like if I move a ticket into backlog and don't say why, then like I scold myself because otherwise you have no, like with 150 tickets, you can't like keep all that in your mind, you know? Yeah. I, I especially love the point about the visibility of it for others, which is sometimes it feels like, yeah, you know, I love a good old fashioned handwritten to-do list too, because you can cross it off, but the visibility to others, especially I think for people earlier in their career, as they are showing the boss, here's what I'm working on and here's what I'm not, here's what I checked off and here's what I didn't. It feels almost overly rigorous sometimes, but if you get into the habit of it, it can be very good for that visibility component for sure. Yeah. And I think um, one of the challenges that I've had at like all of my, the companies I've done RevOps for is there are some people that really like using the JIRA board in tandem, tandem with me. They're like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. I'll make a comment or they're really good at responding to my um, comments at them. And then there are some people that just like, they will never look at the JIRA board no matter how hard I try to get them to look at the JIRA board. So I just put it as part of our like weekly syncs. Like here are all the tickets that you have open. Here are their, like give them the verbal status if they're not gonna look at the JIRA board because ideally you'd want everyone to, you know, use the same process as you, but I know that's, not realistic when working with like leaders that are doing a million other things. So trying to like meet people where, where they're at in terms of how they work, I think is important too. And, and helps me focus because otherwise we have a JIRA board with a hundred things and waiting for approval because the people that I'm waiting for approval will never look at it. And right. then that just distracts me because then I've got a giant swim lane full of tickets that are just sitting there. And that drives me nuts. Yeah. And you don't want to be spending all your time, your precious time, like shepherding tickets, right? Like you want it to kind no, of flow. I think exactly. that's, a, that's one that we could, you know, that's probably a whole nother thing, which is how do you work? I mean, similar to the husbands at home, right? Like how do you work with someone who has a different <clears throat> approach to it? And how do you both keep running in a way that, that makes sense? I, too often we think that what works for us works for someone else. And that's part of what I enjoy doing on the show is talking about different approaches because people yeah. do have very different approaches to it. To that, to that end, I want to hop back to the point. Um, you mentioned briefly that you had ADD. And I think mm -hmm. in the conversations I've had with folks that have ADHD and ADD, like you are almost, it often almost always happens that you're actually more aware of the distractions, right? Like, so I think you, you're probably aware of like, Hey, that's going to make me distracted or that might, where sometimes people who haven't had a diagnosis of that sort don't, um, or they get slid, slid into distractions without realizing mm -hmm. it. So you mentioned that you like that GSD Friday, right? Like making space for yourself to work without distractions. What are the other barriers to you kind of staying focused? Or are there other things you've learned to kind of move away so that you can stay more focused as opposed to just like the tools to get it done? But like, what do you kind of push away from you? Yeah, I would say, so um, we, for the, this year we moved into a bigger house. Um, before mm. this, we lived in a 500 square foot tiny house which is very small for two people and a dog, especially during the pandemic when we were both working from home. And my husband had an office because he worked remotely before we moved, um, you know, and then um, I didn't have any other place except for our kitchen. And it was really hard to stay focused, but I found that if, you know, in the morning, if I cleaned the kitchen and made sure like dishes were put away and there was nothing that would make me go and say, oh man, that's a 
sink full of dishes or a dishwasher full of dishes that needs to be emptied. If my, the space around me is not cluttered, like my mm -hmm. office, if there's nothing on the couch besides my dog and there's not like papers and stuff that will distract me from my work, I find it much easier to focus than like mm -hmm. during wedding planning. My office kind of turned into like the storage place for all of the stuff we were buying. And it was really hard for me to focus because I'd be on a meeting and I would be like, I'm not participating, I'm actively listening. And I know that there's a bunch of candles behind me that I need to like, you know, slap a sticker on or a bunch of koozies that I need to like count out. Um, so that was really hard, but I like, but I was aware of it. So I would just kind of like try to give myself tunnel vision, but having a clear space definitely helps with focus. Um, and then, you know, like I use the focus mode on my phone because otherwise like I get an ESPN alert and I'm like wondering what's happening with my fantasy team and then snoozing Slack notifications, like just allowing yourself to not be distracted is, is I think a huge thing. Um, and some people don't allow themselves to, to focus because, you know, slacks and emails and all that stuff. So I think that's a big thing for me is giving myself the um, courtesy of you can focus for three hours and the world's not going to end. Yes. And let's dive into that, this idea of you can focus for three hours, because there is a myth, right, that we should all be more focused all the time. And that doesn't work for the human brain, right? Like we, yeah. need, we need our unfocused time. I think um, I spoke with someone earlier on, on a different episode, we talked about diffuse thinking. So you can actually have really, really successful intelligent thinking in a more creative open-ended way sometimes do you have moments where that happens for you do you have those like creative creative outlets or times where you let yourself think a little more freely or is that part of your um approach? i would i would say that like kind of two different times a day where that happens when i'm walking my dog in the morning i like to listen to um podcasts not necessarily like this type of podcast but i really like true crime and oh, i yeah. feel like it gives me a like I have to pay attention to it, but I can still, my mind can kind of wander a little bit. Um, and I will be like randomly thinking about a work problem while I'm walking my dog. And I'm like, oh crap, I think I just like, I have an idea for this. And I'll mm -hmm. send myself a quick email. Or like most of the time it's when I'm about to go to bed, I've like done my routine and I'm getting ready to fall asleep. And my mind just hasn't quite turned off yet. And I'll be thinking about like some work stuff and I will say, oh my God, I think I have an idea and I'll write it down. And I think that it happens at those two times a day because in the morning, my brain is fresh. I haven't spent all day like looking at emails, being on meetings, whatever, and I'm well rested. Um, and like, you know, I've just had my first sip of coffee. And I think at the end of the day, it's the same thing where like, I've turned my brain off for the day. I, I wound down, like I had my glass of wine or whatever. My brain like was done thinking, but then it had like one last little spark. And I think because both of those times a day happens after a period where I'm not using my brain that I can get the most like thinking outside of the box and being the most creative. Now, I don't think it's necessarily great that I have all my best ideas right before I go to bed, because then I have to like make, put it in an email that make, that'll make sense to me the next day. Um, but on more than one occasion, it's turned out to be a pretty good idea. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I've been there, done that. I don't think you're alone in that, in that, that phenomenon. I for sure. Yeah. Well, and it was actually funny when we were first chatting, you had a really great line. And I wonder if it's tied to this idea that going into, you know, your GSD day with fewer meetings or giving that that idea of fewer distractions, same thing when walking the dog or in bed, you kind of are all of a sudden alone a little bit, like mm -hmm. it's a little quieter. And you, the one line you sent me earlier was, you wish you had an invisibility cloak like that. Yeah. that tell me a little bit more about that statement because I loved it. It's, it was so on point to me. Cause I, cause when I used to go into an office, one of the things that I, like, I never sat at my desk because if I was at my desk, people would come over and ask me questions. And we even had a rule where it was like, if your headphones, if somebody's headphones are in, you 
you can't go in and tap them on the shoulder, which just led to people slacking. Hey, I see you have your headphones in. Like, can I ask you something quick? So I would always try to find like a nook or a cranny where I was still at the office. And if I needed to like be in a meeting or talk to someone in person, I could. But I also was just in a place where people had to really try to look to find me because if you make yourself available, especially for like, I've tended to work for startups where people are really trying to figure things out and there is no proper onboarding or like it's an SDR's first job and they don't know how to, you know, properly do whatever. Um, if you're always the, the, the go-to person and you're always, the, mm. and you're always willing to be the go-to person and drop everything to help someone, you're never going to be able to find focus. Yeah. And on the flip side, like those people that are asking you for stuff are never going to learn how to do it themselves. Um, mm. So having an invisibility cloak where it's like, my mom can't text me. My husband can't ask me what's for dinner. My dog can't find me. Like just nothing would be so great because I feel like if that was a thing, like an invisibility cloak for focus, I could get more done because it's the outside world distracting me, but also like my own distractions, not distracting me either. So it's twofold, like for the outside world and for me inside my own head. Cause that is like, you know, it, it's twofold. It's you, you can sometimes be your own worst enemy. Um, and I think that that's like, you know, part of it. And if you invent the invisibility cloak, I would definitely buy one from you. We are um, working on it. We are, we've already yeah. got the headphones, you know, you mentioned yeah, the headphones yeah. metaphor and that made me smile. One of our, um, one of our users was the one who came up with the whole term noise, you know, noise canceling headphones because, or for email, because it is exactly that idea. If you have them on, except for the guy who's sending you slacks, you know, the people always try to end around like your yeah. attention, your attention, but it's that interesting. It's that signal to everybody else. Hey, like I'm focused. And so it, it's that external signaling and that's what your invisibility cloak would do, or it would just make you disappear, but yeah. it's externally signaling to people. I'm not here, man. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not available for you right now. And God, it has to be one of the hardest things we do as humans. Right. Yeah. And I, and I really think that, um, in like the digital world where we live in, where like, even like I can text my doctor, right? Like we mm. just are like, we're being taught bad habits of thinking we deserve an immediate response when like, really maybe we don't. Um, and that's really why I, tr I try to practice like, Hey, if somebody slacks me and they can't figure it out in the four hours that I'm ignoring them, then I'll come in and help them. But, but a lot of times like they do, like I'll give a slack and then immediately 20 minutes later, Hey, I figured it out. Never mind. Mm. Or somebody makes a ticket. Hey, I need this dashboard. And then they're like, Hey, I didn't want to wait. So I like tried to make it myself. Can you take a look at it? And sometimes that's great. It's like, Hey, you built it right. Except for some filters. And sometimes it's like, now I have to, like, I'm just going to have to start from scratch anyway. So you kind of have to like, you know, draw the line somewhere. Um, but I do think, you know, even me, if I slack someone, I give them a full day to respond. Like I don't expect an immediate response. Um, cause even if like someone's on vacation, right. Like you can schedule the send later, but like they're focused on their vacation, let them focus on their vacation. Don't slack them. If you know that they're on vacation. Yeah. Some of those cultural best practices, like you said, that we're sliding into that are not actual best practices are dangerous. Definitely. Let's not be slacking anyone on vacation, everyone. But I love yeah. the idea about just delayed response. I mean, I, you know, I think we've seen that across different mediums as it comes through and Slack is so, I mean, you can see someone's status, right? They're sitting right there. And so there's that immediacy expectation, but I love your ability to push back on that a little bit. I'm into yeah. 
I think you, you know, that kind of idea, like teach them to take care of them things themselves. And if yeah. they still need you in a day, okay. So yeah, so be it. There are, and obviously it's like, Hey, if you need to set up an automation, I don't want you doing that. Like I right. want you to come to me, but if it's like building a rapport, doing like basic stuff that they should know how to do, if they're going to be a salesperson or be working in Salesforce more than just for this job, like you should know how to do basic stuff. Um, yeah, Just like fine. I should know how to do basic stuff. Yeah. Or find the resources, right? Like in most cases, there probably are resources out there. Um, and so- I actually, um, Jordan Henderson and I laughed about this, that like when I first started in RevOps, probably 50% of my time was Googling. And even though like we're both, you know, like in our careers, both directors, I still probably spend 10 to 15% of my week Googling how to do things. Cause there's some things that you do once and you don't need to know how to do it all the time. And then there are some things where you're like, oh, I thought this was best practice. I thought this was how I did this, but it's evolved in the past two years. So like Google's your friend and I do that all the time. And I feel like I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I wasn't really good at Googling. I mean, you're talking to someone who literally worked at Google for 14 years. And I may say the best thing I learned there was how to Google. Like, I mean, it's, it's funny because it is just, I mean, that's honestly what it was built for, right? Is the knowledge base and to surface things quickly that you don't need to store in your own brain. I've been constantly frustrated with Slack because I'm trying to remember what the acronym stands for, but do you remember like Slack is our search log of communications and knowledge or something like that. Communication and knowledge, yeah. But is search, like search in Slack drives me up the wall. I can't find anything. And so I'm like, oh, come on team. Um, Well, you know, you mentioned Jordan Henderson. I'd love to open that up. I think you've mentioned him in the past as someone who, you know, well, he introduced you to Gated, which is a great way, great help for focus. But are there other people that you follow or are really inspired by in terms of, your focus, either learning how to focus better or actually just what you do, um, you know, especially from a professional standpoint, but really any, anything. Yeah. I would say that, um, I, uh, besides Jordan, there's a a woman named Hillary Headley. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I'm saying her last name, right. She is someone who I've talked to in the past when I was just like less about focus, but more of like, Hey, I don't know what headcount I need. I I get one headcount, but I don't know where it should come from. Mm -hmm. And I talked to her and she's like, this is how I decide where I need headcount and like what they're gonna do and how I pitch it to leadership, which is helpful for me because that helps, okay, like if I'm gonna focus on X, Y, and Z, I'm gonna hire someone who can focus on the stuff that I either am not passionate about, I don't know about, or I just don't wanna do. Like I will never, I I just don't love marketing ops as much as I love CX and sales ops. Um, So if I hire someone, I'm gonna hire someone whose strengths are that, you know, like I like to hire people that are smarter than me Um, so that's one of the things where it's like, okay, I don't have to focus on that because I'm hiring someone to do it. Um, and her her and Jordan specifically, they just post a lot of good RevOps, uh, content where even if it's not anything that's actionable for me, it is a reminder of like, this is what RevOps is. This is our function. And this is what we should be focusing on as like a, as you know, a function of the business, but also talks about like, Hey, this is what I'm focused on right now. And maybe it's the same as me. Maybe it's not depending on the quarter and the time of year. But just really like following RevOps people that have a voice, even if they're not giving you actionable, um, you know, things to work on. It's just a reminder of like what RevOps is and isn't because you can get scope creep, right? People sometimes uh, confuse sales enablement and sales operations, not the same thing. They serve different purposes. Um, And if you start to let some of that creep into what you do and don't do, it makes it harder to focus on the job you were actually hired to do. Mm -hmm. So just following like-minded leaders, it's just a nice reminder of like, 
hey, your job's important. Here's what we do. And here's the value we add. And then it just kind of like, sometimes it just brightens my day. It's like, oh yeah, I'm not the only one who's had to deal with like this kind of challenge at work. Um, so yeah, that, those are the two people. And honestly, like there's a lot of RevOps like conferences or like, like mm -hmm. webinars that I just, I won't always attend live, but I'll listen to the recordings. And sometimes a person speaking will pique my interest and I'll go follow them on LinkedIn. And, and it's a nice way to find new people. Yeah, I feel, I mean, we, some of us still have a mentor, but I think to a greater degree these days, there is the ability to follow those inspirational people as they're just pushing the content out, especially on LinkedIn, for sure. I mean, there's such a community of sharing on LinkedIn yeah. these days. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. On the best day, right? My favorite is when somebody you respect posts something that reaffirms something you just did, right? You're like, oh, I'm on track, huzzah. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. that moment of, of celebration. Well, yeah. I want to keep you on track with your day. So we'll wrap things up today. We got to keep you focused, get Allie back to, to all the things that take her time, including walking the dog and drinking some wine. That's um, right. But before you go, where could people find you online or anything they'd want to learn about Groove? Um, anything you want to plug, go for it. Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I did change my name. So it is Allie Seibel on LinkedIn. Um, otherwise, you know, um, you can email me. Allie at groove.co. Uh, it'll probably end up in my gated inbox, but that's where I want it. And then I'll review it. Um, but I'm happy to, you know, don't try to sell me something, but to ask me how you can add value. Or if you're interested in getting into RevOps, like I love talking to people that are interested in this space because I think there is no typical way to get into RevOps. Like Jordan went to law school, like he's, his background, he's a lawyer. Um, so it's always just interesting. And I think that that shouldn't um, prevent people from wanting to get into this space if they don't think they have a a background fit for it. So I'm always happy to chat people about that. I love it. If you love chaos as much as you love finding clarity in the chaos, then, uh, that's right. then you may just have some rev ops in your future, folks. Um, that's right. Well, thank you, Ali. It's been a pleasure chatting and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, it was awesome chatting. Mm -hmm.